This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Good to see you in the house of the Lord. I don't know about you, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed worship today. Just to come into his presence and let out a shout of hallelujah. Now, if you get close to me, it may not sound quite like a shout of hallelujah because I sing in a different tone than most of you. But again, it's from my heart. So I welcome all of you again today. If you need a Bible, once you get your hand up real high, we're still on our series on dominion. We're going to add a little bit to it. Once you get a Bible, go with me to the book of Matthew chapter 7. Matthew 7 is where I'm at. Now, as you're turning to Matthew 7, I highly encourage you to get, get the Bible today. Get the Word of God in your hand or take really, really incredible notes. I'm going to start out by asking you a question. Do, do I proclaim the name of Jesus while living a sinful life? Do, do I proclaim the name of Jesus while living disobedient to what he's asked me to do? In my study the other day, I came across a verse that really, really, really intrigued me. Galatians 3.10. I'm not going to have you go there, but I encourage you to go there on your own time. It says, cursed are you if you don't continue in the word of God. Cursed. The Amplified says it this way, for cursed, you're doomed to destruction. You're doomed to disappointment if you don't continue in the word. It also highlights that word cursed meaning eternal punishment. Now, those are interesting words that are are said in the word of God. So as we go to, to Matthew 7... This is part of the Sermon on the Mount. If you were to look at that, Matthew 5, you have what we call the Beatitudes or the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the attitude, the Mount of Attitudes. I, I've been there. I was there in March. It's a real, real high peak above the city of Capernaum, and you can still see the Sea of Galilee. Then in Matthew 6, you get in to if, or not if, but when. When you pray, when you give, and when you fast. And then you get here into Matthew 7 at the end of this. Now, I highlight all this because these are all Jesus' words. So let Jesus' words teach us today. Matthew 7, verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate. The New Living says, enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate. And broad is the way that leads to destruction. Now, interesting words that Jesus uses. This this wide gate, it's, it's broad, but it's the way that leads to destruction. Now, look at his last word here in verse 13, or the last few words. And there are many who go in by it. Not just a few but many. And so when I read this, I I think, okay, when he talks about many, what are we getting over to, Lord? Is this many with the majority of people? But many go on this broad road. And I believe it's the popular road. And it's the road that, you know, we can do whatever we want on. But he goes on and says in verse 14, because narrow. 
narrow is the gate or narrow is the road and difficult is the way that leads to life. And, and when he says it's difficult, I believe he's saying it's not popular to live by God's word or God's way. And when you see the word difficult there, it means confined. One translation says a straightened one, a compressed one. It, it gives the meaning of, of a, a way or a road that you're being squeezed. And so when I see the word squeezed, I begin to think about this, that, you know, if you get a washcloth and you soak it in water, and the only way to, to get all the water out is you really, really wring it, and you squeeze it. And in my life, that's, that's what God needed to do. He needed to squeeze all the junk out of me, to squeeze all the world out of me. And again, he doesn't say it's easy. He said it's difficult but look how he ends. And there are only a few who find it. Jesus' words. And we can't widen the road by not confronting the issues of sin in our life. I can't confront or I can't widen the road by not, not teaching on character issues. I, I can't widen this narrow road by watering down the truth. And so I believe when he begins to talk about this, he's, he's talking about a, a people that say, you know what, I, I need to understand the truth. I need to know the truth. You know, Jesus said, be holy because I'm holy. He set the bar high. Now, when he said be holy, he's not talking about wearing holy jeans, okay? It's not what he was talking about. Let me tell this little story on me real quick. This happened a number of months ago. I was playing golf, and man, sometimes when I play golf, I, I, I take a 20-year-old a swing. Where, man, I take everything I got and I go at it. Well, I did that, and when I did, I thought, something's not right. <laughs> and the something that wasn't right was the pair of jeans I was wearing. It split from the bottom of my crotch all the way to the back, all the way up. And I thought, oh, dear Jesus. So when I got home, I said to Shelly, I said, check this out. And I showed her, and she said, did you quit playing golf? And I said, of course not. I played the rest of the day that way. Who cares? Well, again, God sets the bar for us high. And God wants us to live holy. God wants us to live for him. And, and when I see this where he says it's difficult the reason it's difficult is because I, I believe you're going to be put down. You're going to be persecuted. It's not difficult for me to serve God because I have to. I, I, don't, I don't serve God and, and stomp my foot and say, it's not fair that I have. It's a joy for me to serve God. And you know why I can say that to you? I've been on the other side of that coin where I didn't serve God. And man, you know what? My life was spelled out. It was spelled out P-A-I-N, pain. I caused pain to this guy. I caused pain to everybody that was affiliated with me. But man, when I got on this thing called the narrow roads, things begin to happen and change. And I say that because God is still in the business that takes messes and makes miracles. And I don't care what your past is. The solution is Jesus. 
Same chapter, verse 21. Now, get ready when we read this, okay? This, this is a truth that we really, really, really need to harp on. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. And he highlighted the word Lord twice, meaning an emphasis. He really emphasized and he said, not everyone who confessed me, not everyone who professed me as Lord shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Now we can sit right here and say, wait, 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 time out. I'm one of those that have confessed Jesus as Lord. But it's interesting here that Jesus himself identifies people who has declared him as Lord, yet he denies them entrance into heaven. Now, how can that be? He tells us why. The end of verse 21. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. So again, I, I believe if we're not careful, we water down this salvation. To a degree, we preach a counterfeit salvation that says, you know what, all you got to do is walk down here one time and say this little prayer that you confess Jesus is Lord and you're in. And how many people in our society, how many people in this auditorium right now think that? Now, I'm not watering down. You've got to confess Jesus is Lord of your life. But isn't it interesting here that Jesus' focus is more on not what you talk, but how you walk? So you better put a little walkie-walkie with your talkie-talkie. I like to look at it this way. Your who was not separated from your do. You say who you are, you say you're a Christian, but does my do look like that as who I confess as Lord? Wow, maybe I ought to go over here and stay with these teenagers. See, again, this was Jesus' words. I'm not going to go backwards, but in Matthew 7, verse 20, he said, they'll know you by your fruit. He didn't say they'll know you by what you confess. Now, don't get mad at me, okay? This is Jesus' words. And he said specifically, but he who does the will of my Father. Now, as I begin to look at that, it's coming down to a thing called obedience. For me to do the will of my Father, I got to obey what the Word of God says. Now, I'm going to take a little break from Matthew 7. Go with me and hold your place right there. Go with me to 1 Samuel 15. And I, I want you to see today the significance of obedience. A verbal confession of lordship without obedience, you're self-deluded. I got to hang out with God and I got to learn to obey what he says. 1 Samuel chapter 15. I'm not even going to set the table for this. I'll, I'll let the Word of God introduce everything in here as we begin to read it. I'm going to bounce a little bit through this chapter for time's sake. So 1 Samuel 15, verse 1. Samuel also said to Saul. Now, if we were to study this, Samuel was the prophet. Better yet, Samuel 9, 9 says he was a seer. 
an S-E-E-R. If you really want to study that, go to 1 Samuel 9, verses 9 through 15. And we got a guy who's coming in a few weeks who's a seer. It'll explain that. And so Samuel was the prophet. He was the seer. This guy named Saul is the king. He's the king. So keep reading. The Lord sent me to anoint you king over the people of Israel. Now, therefore, heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Now, this king's in a position of authority. He's in a position of leadership. But isn't it interesting that he wasn't exempt from heeding the things of God? So the assignment was, you're king, but in order to be the king, you better learn how to heed the word of God. So what happens here is the Lord tells this guy named Saul, he says, I want you to attack the Malachites and I want you to wipe them off the face of the earth. Man, woman, child, kill their oxen, their sheep, their camels, their donkeys, everything they have, wipe them out. And so Saul decides to take things into his own hands. And anything that was worth value, he didn't eliminate it. He didn't kill King Agag. And all those fine sheep and camel, he kept those too. And so guess what he does as a human being? He, he thinks that he can override the word of God with his common sense. To a degree, you know what he's saying? I know more than God does. I'm going to do my own thing. And how many times do we do our own thing? And then we say, but God bless it. I'm doing this, God, but I want you to bless it when God's never told you to do that. Same chapter, verse 11, verse 10. Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king. Now listen. For he has turned back from following me. And has not performed my commandments. So guess what you see here immediately? God's paying attention to what he's doing. God's looking at what he did. Is he going to obey what I did? And so as, as Saul gets confronted about this, you know what he does? Human nature. He starts making excuses. And he starts saying, well, this and this and this and this. But the truth of the matter is, delayed obedience is, disobey, is a disobedience. Anytime I get over and, and cut short what God says to it's disobedience. Verse 19. Samuel said to him, why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? Now, I want you to hold fast to that word there. Evil. When me and you choose to disobey the word of God, in God's eyes, it's evil. Well, Saul would look and say, well, this isn't really a big deal. I, I did the majority of what you asked me to do. Same chapter, verse 22. So Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices? In other words, God, he, he wasn't to delight in sacrifices of animals. That wasn't his delight. So if his delight wasn't in, and remember in the Old Testament, they would sacrifice animals at the altar. And so again, he said, 
specifically. Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as is obeying the voice of the Lord? Now listen to what he says. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. So in our lives, this is how it can look. We can come walking in here on Sunday morning and you can say, well, woo, Father God, I made a sacrifice. I came to church today. I made a sacrifice. I worshiped you today. I'm making a sacrifice. I'm, I'm going to honor you with my tithes today. But then I leave the church and Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, the rest of the week, I disobey God, but I come back in here next Sunday and I think, because I can offer a sacrifice to God, God will stake it. But he said, obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Keep reading. And to heed, to obey, then the fat of rams. And the fat of the rams was the best. Now look what happens in verse 23. For rebellion is as sin as witchcraft. So when we disobey God, we literally take on a form of rebellion in our lives. In God's eyes, guess what? You can disobey him, but when he looks down, he says, rebellion Rebellion, and note what he said. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. So when I get over and I disobey God, not only am I a form of rebellion coming on me, I've opened up my life to witchcraft. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. When you see the word stubbornness, it's rooted in pride. You know what stubbornness says? I'll do it when I get around to it. I'll do it when I feel like it. But it's interesting that he labeled stubbornness and he said stubbornness is, is the sin of iniquity and idolatry. So I look at the words associated with rebellion and stubbornness and I see witchcraft, iniquity, and idolatry. So when I open myself up to that because of disobedience... You've opened yourself up to a thing called ambush. The devil wants to ambush you because of disobedience. Go back with me to the book of Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Ooh, the goodness of God. Because he rejected the things of God. God moved. Matthew 7, verse 22. Many, many, now that's the same word many that is used in verse 13, for many are on the road to destruction. This is Jesus, okay? Many, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? That's apparent they had a deep cause for the things of God. Actually, they, they, they understood the authority that we have in the name of Jesus. But just because I speak in the name of Jesus doesn't reveal my true heart. Now, here's something interesting on this. When, when I see this in verse 22 about how they use the name of Jesus... We've studied now for, for over a month on this thing called dominion that God has given us dominion. Matt, uh, Luke 10, 17 says, uh, 
I give you authority. Luke 10, 19 says the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. So again, we see these are believers or so-called believers that understand the power of the name of Jesus. And he said many. Verse 23. And the ones who were many and that used the name of Jesus, then I will declare to them, I never knew you. So if he never knew them, what's the issue? Watch this. Depart from me. Get away from me. You who practice lawlessness. The word lawlessness means you break God's commands or you disregard them. You act wickedly. So the very separating factor were these people who called him Lord. They spoke in the name of Jesus, but because they practiced lawlessness, they disobeyed him. He said, you're out. This is, this is eye-opening to me. This is going to be a shock someday. So off of this, there's three questions that I wrote. And you've got to answer them. Do, do I have a habit of willfully ignoring, neglecting, or disobeying God's word? Do I practice ungodly living? And I make excuses for it. I got, God understands I don't know about you, this is one of these things here that on the last day or the day of judgment, I don't want to chance this. I don't want to have the thought, God understands when he says right here, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And the third question that arose, how do I view the scriptures? How do I do, uh, do view the word of God today? Is it relevant today? Or do I look at the word of God as part of the Bible doesn't actually mean what it really says? So I've chosen to listen to secular ideas over the Word of God. Now, when this was studied on here for several weeks, about six weeks ago, we have a pretty good group that prays on Tuesday night. And we've been praying for miracles and, and healing. How many of you in here believe God still does miracles and heals? I, I believe that with all my heart. But when I looked at Matthew 7, 22 and 23, we saw they were, they were speaking in the name of Jesus. I got dominion. But if I practice lawlessness, that dominion is not going to work. And so these ladies within the church who were praying that night, several of them came up to me and they said, Pastor, this is what we begin to sense in prayer, that there's sin in this church. There's sin within the leadership of this church, and that's why God can't do what he desires here. I, I believe that. And when they said that, it bore witness with me. And so when that took place, this is what I didn't do. I didn't say, Lord, you got to show me who's in sin here. You know what I said immediately? I went into this guy's file cabinet. I went into my heart. 
And I've said this over and over for the last few weeks. That's why I said, Lord, grace me to die to myself and crucify my flesh. And I said, Father God, if there's anything within me that's not of you, any form of disobedience, I ask you to sever that. And God is beginning to work in this old boy. Ooh, he is moving in incredible ways. Man, when we come in here and praise and worship, boy, I'll start sensing things. And so the reason we're talking on this, God, God's raising the level in here. And I believe it's a wake-up call to every one of us to say, let's quit playing church. Let's quit playing around with the name of Jesus. And let's get serious and say, God, I, I desire you to work. I want you to move within this house. So what do we do? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Go with me to the book of Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. I've just got about two more hours to go. and We'll get you out of here. <laughs> That's the honoriness in me. He can't cast that out. He doesn't want to go. No, I begin to study these things. And so these scriptures that I'm getting ready to give you, these last two will be Acts 20 and then Colossians 1. What I begin to find is these two cross-reference back and forth. Now, I want you to see the Apostle Paul's here, his heart in this. Acts 20, verse 17. From Miletus he sent to Ephesus, and he called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, this is Paul talking, he said to them, you know from the first day that I came to Asia in what manner I always lived among you. That's interesting. He said, in what manner I actually lived among you. He didn't say all the things I spoke to you. He said, what manner I lived among you. So again, Jesus said there in Matthew 7, 20, they'll know you by your fruit. And he said, you know what manner I lived among you. Verse 19. Serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. Some of you wanting to go in the ministry, you may ought to highlight verse 19. Many tears and trials. Verse 20. And how I kept back nothing that was helpful. I didn't shrink. I didn't hesitate from anything that was beneficial for you or profitable for you. But I proclaimed it to you and I taught you publicly from house to house. Testifying to the Jews and also the Greeks. Repentance toward God. This is where I believe part of the salvation message is so watered down. There is no salvation without repentance. The word repentance literally means to do a 180. That's talking about in my manner I live. So again, when I get born again, this, this kingdom uh, repentance that he's talking about, there ought to be a change in me. Now, do you know church growth experts will tell you this? Two things that you don't preach about in the church if you want to experience growth. Number one, don't ever preach about sin. You don't want to scare the customers off. And two, don't preach on repentance. And your church will grow. And I'm like, dear God, what are they basing all this on? 
And so the apostle Paul said right there, he said, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. So you're going to have to look to Jesus, believe in Jesus, and trust Jesus. Keep reading. And see now, I go bound in the spiritual Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there. Except that the Holy Spirit testifies and affirms in every city, saying that chains, jail, tribulation, sufferings, they await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry, the assignment, what was entrusted me, which I received from the Lord Jesus. And look what his assignment was, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Tell you guys, if, if we don't preach repentance, if we don't preach turn to Jesus, if we don't preach turn to the grace of God, not a grace that tells me to sin more, but a grace that empowers me not to sin, we're missing the boat. This was Paul's heart. And I believe nothing's changed. He goes on and says, And indeed, now I know that you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God will see my face no more. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned, I have not avoided, I have not shrank, I have not kept back to declare to you the whole counsel of God. In other words, I didn't conveniently preach on some subjects. He said, I told you the whole counsel of God. Every last bit of it. That's why I think he said, I'm going to finish this race with joy because you know what he understood? I'm doing it as unto the Lord. I'm not trying to win a popularity kind of, I'm doing it as unto God. Colossians chapter 1. Now remember, this is all cross-reference back and forth through these scriptures. So I begin to study here the church at Colossae. The reason Paul goes and he preaches this to the church at Colossae is this reason right here. It says that many false teachers had come into that area. And it says that they diluted the truth for the sake of unity. So you know what that means? Let's keep everybody happy for unity. Let's, let's tell this group, you know what you're doing? It's all right. God's okay with that's the and, and let's tell this group. And it's amazing to me that he uses the word. The gospel was deluded to keep unity. And so Paul goes in there and says, uh-uh, boy, it's not so fast. Colossians 1, verse 24. I now rejoice. Now, this is crazy. I look at this and I think. And I now rejoice in my sufferings for you. And I fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. Again, there's a warning. And when I see some of the wordings in there, I, I have the thought, is this part of the narrow road? That there's sufferings? There's afflictions for the body of Christ? I saw this just this morning, and it has asked the question, and it said, is Christianity in America diminishing? I think it is. I don't say that with honor. It breaks my heart, but I believe it is. You know why? 
Because the truth, when it gets watered down, doesn't mean a whole lot. That's why we got to keep preaching the word. Verse 25. Of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God. Now, when we hear the word steward or stewardship, normally we associate that with money. Be a good steward. Be a good. Well, that is partly true. But the word stewardship or steward right here means wise. It means prudent. It also means what you're entrusted with or what God has entrusted to you. Now, if you're born again... You have some form of stewardship that God's put in you. In other words, there's some gift within you that God has entrusted you with. And so he uses this right here and he says, the stewardship from God. Now watch what the stewardship from God was for him. Which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. The only way the word of God is fulfilled is you got to preach on it. How do we expect people to believe the Word of God when we never preach on it? And so this was this assignment to fulfill the Word of God. The mystery, now he's going to tell us what the mystery is, okay? Just hang in here with me. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this ministry among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You know what the, minister, the, the mystery was? Jesus Christ, better stated, the redemptive work of Jesus Christ working in you. And you know what that means? It doesn't matter what type of sinner you are. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter if you've flunked in this area, this area, this area. That's why Jesus came to redeem us. So what happens here with me is you get to see the redemptive work of Christ working in me right now. And guess what Christ does? He still takes miracles or takes messes and he still makes miracles out of people that say, work within me, Lord. Work within me. And it never ends. That's the mystery. And so I tell you this today, your only hope is Jesus. You're not going to make it any other way. You may think if I got this six-figure job, everything's going to It's not. You think you're going to drive that new Jaguar. Well, it'll look good for about a year. Again, the only thing that works within us is the redemptive power of Jesus. That's the only thing that's lasting. So you know what the word of the, the redemptive power of Jesus working in you? I've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. I've been washed by the blood of Jesus. And you know what people will say to me? Well, you don't know what I've done. You don't know my past. Well, you don't know what I've done. You don't know my past. I, I, I got sin that was in my life for years and years and years. And the redemptive power of Jesus started working in me. Here's the thing that happened to me just the other day. I, I don't watch a lot of the news because it all irritates me. I'm, I'm capable of yelling at a TV screen. You're a bunch of liars. I just, I look and so periodically on my phone, I'll pull up different news things. So I'm, I'm scrolling one day on different news things, and it's really not real 
enlightening as it was. I'm hearing all the junk Iran's doing. This is going on in Iraq. This many people were murdered in Somalia. It's all really great news, you know. And then the next thing I scroll to, I look and it says, 61-year-old modeling in a bikini. I think, now what the crud's that doing on a news thing? You know what's doing on a news thing? They're going fishing. They're going fishing. You know what they're going fishing with? To see who will click on that. And guess what? I'm 58 and I'm still not exempt from that if I click on that. And I say, "Uh, the grace of God, I'm not going to that because guess what? You start going and looking at that stuff, you're looking at stuff that your eyes shouldn't be looking on. And I'm not stupid. I know how the devil operates. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. And if you don't think you're exempt from it, just ask King David in 1 Samuel 11 when one night he decides to go out on a roof. He's innocent, and guess what? He's scrolling, and all of a sudden there's a little blog there, and it says, look over there at that woman named Bathsheba, and he checks it out, and guess where it ends? Uh Uh-oh. And so I choose to allow the redemptive work of the blood of Jesus to continue to work in me. And I said, Father God, grace me. Grace my eyes. Grace my thoughts. Let the blood of Jesus mark me today. And look how he ends this. Him we preach. Jesus we preach. He didn't say preach Reader's Digest. He didn't say preach and tell him a bunch of funny jokes today. He said preach him. Warning every man. So if everything in this world's okay, why did he tell us to warn every man? And then he says, and teach every man. In all wisdom, and when you see the word wisdom, wisdom literally means the ways and the purposes of God. So right here, this is our job, to preach Jesus, to warn, to teach in all wisdom that we may present. Listen to this. Just a few men. Ah, He said that we may uh, present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Literally stated, mature, full-grown and complete. And so that's my job. That's my assignment. And I believe where the church and the pulpit has failed is when we fail to preach what Jesus tells us to preach. And anytime I get over and think, I, I don't want to tell them that. I don't want people to leave. Pastor, you have people leave. I've had people leave. I can stand up here watching. Sometimes people get up and just start walking out. And I think, eh. Guess they don't want to hear the truth. You know what I love about people who say, I want to hear the truth, Pastor. Because there's a day coming, and I don't ever want of you to look at me and say, we confessed him as Lord. We believe that's all we had to do. I don't know if she's watching today. I hope she is. Miss Carolyn Pertuse, who's fixing to go home and be with Jesus real soon. She's not able to come to church anymore. I think she watches most of our Live streams, bless you. Five, six weeks ago, I was called to her house. She's 85, 
She's lived a good life. She knows she's going to go home and be with Jesus. And I go to visit with her to discuss her funeral. I don't know that you've ever done that. Have you ever gone to somebody's house and said, let's talk about your funeral, what's going to take place? It may sound weird. It was incredibly enlightening. It was wonderful. This was a woman who, who knows her eternal destiny. There's no ifs, ands, and buts about it. And so she's telling me everything she wants at her funeral ceremony. And then she got a big old finger. Big finger. That one right there, Carolyn. And throughout the years, she's pointed at me. Preach the word? Yes, ma'am. Preach the word? Yes, ma'am. And she says to me in my funeral service, don't you dare give an altar call without watered down salvation. And she says, and you know what I'm talking about. And you know what I said? Yes, ma'am. And you know how the day ended? She said this. I'll see you on the other side. So I stand before you today and say, we preach for eternity. And again, I want you to bow your head because I want everyone knowing in here today. There's a narrow road and there's a wide road and I'm on one of the two. And again, I, I do believe that you have to confess Jesus as Lord. But I can't overlook the lawlessness. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And so just, just have a God moment here for a second. And be truthful with yourself. Because again, I don't want anyone in this room to be blindsided. I, I want it to be a real salvation, a sincere salvation. When, when, when you walk out of here, you know, I'm, I'm a child of God. I'm going to spend eternity with Jesus in heaven. But again, have you, have you avoided the narrow road for the sake of being popular with people? Have you know you've cut corners? How about this? How well are you obeying God right now? Are there areas you're taking shortcuts? Again, these are questions I have to ask myself that I keep looking and I said, Lord, grace me today. Grace me today. And so to tie all this together, I believe the name of Jesus still works. can't short circuit it by my lack of integrity to live how he, he asks us to live. So I'm going to ask you to stand on your feet right there where you're at. Just with every head bowed and every eye closed right now. you leaving here today without knowing that Jesus is Lord of your life but I want you to make a commitment today not only to confess him as Lord but to say Lord I'm a man I'm a woman that I will repent of my sin 
And I'll ask you to grace me and help me to, to live how it pleases you. So right now, right there where you're at, if you say, Pastor, is it okay for me to make a fresh declaration? Absolutely. I believe this is what Jesus wants us to do. You know, every year at the marriage retreat, you know what we do? We say our marriage vows all over again the second time. Every year we do that. Just, just to stir up a commitment, just to remind us to say, so maybe today you, you need to stir up that commitment. You may have to have that vow and say, Lord Jesus, I'm, I'm married to you today. I, I've kind of been hit and miss. But today's a new day. If that's you, with every head up and every eye open, I want you to just make your way out of your seat. Say, that's me today. Come on, just make your way. If that's you, say, I'm, I'm coming before the Lord. Yeah, I'm glad. Come on, it's goodness of God. Woohoo! Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.